You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us on Real Presence Live. I am your host today, Jack Kennelly, along with my wife, Doreen. Uh, before we head into our next segment, I want to invite you to visit our website, realpresenceradio.com, for even more great content. There you can listen to programming from your local area, find a podcast if you missed one, uh, missed one of the daily shows, that is, submit a prayer intention, and see the latest cancellations and announcements that are coming with coronavirus precautions. Be sure to check it out, realpresenceradio.com. And Doreen is back, and she will now introduce our next guest, who is no stranger to Real Presence Live. That's right, and not a stranger to me either. Hi, Todd. Good morning, Doreen. Welcoming Todd Mickelson, who is the executive director of Friends of Chimbodi, and he also is in the studio, so it's good to see a real face. Nice (laughs) to be here. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Todd was one of my, you were one of my former students at Chanley, weren't you, back when in the... I was. Yes. So, I was, and I actually welcomed your wife's family uh, to Fargo when they first moved here when I was in third grade. Oh, wow. You remember the grade you were in. That's amazing. <laughs> well, well, Todd is here as the executive director of Friends of Chimbote. I think you already mentioned that, Doreen. And uh, here to talk about something that we probably don't think about. You know, I mean, we're, we're inundated, you know, with uh, stories about the coronavirus nationally and locally, but we probably don't think about uh, the effects of it, you know, internationally, particularly on the poor. But uh, before we even get into that, Todd, why don't you, you know, take a few seconds here to just give us your story, introduce yourself, <laughs> give us a little background. Thank you. Uh, well, let's see. I just turned 60, so that's a, that's a positive. <laughs> that's a big event. I remember uh, 60. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I do. <laughs> But the, you know, it really provides an opportunity for reflection. And uh, I've been with Friends of Chimbote for, this is my eighth year. And prior to that, I was with the Fargo Catholic School System in uh, development and marketing and recruitment for eight years. And during these eight years uh, in um, the mission with Friends of Chimbote, I've been to Peru 15 times. And my wife and children have been to Peru nine times mm-hmm. in mission. So in those 24 trips, we've really had the opportunity to uh, get to know the people, to spend time with them, understanding their lives in their homes, in the barrios. And as part of that, I kind of live in two worlds because I communicate with Peru almost daily. I was on a uh, Zoom call yesterday for two hours with our executive director on the ground in Chimbote. And so I, I do. I, I live daily with the impact of poverty, but now the impact of poverty during COVID. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that impact? Yeah, you know, it, it's a little, it's challenging because I don't want to in any way diminish the hardship that people are going through in this country, but it, it's important to share uh, what their lives are like on a daily basis. And it's what's really interesting and kind of powerful and, you know, maybe a big God moment is that I was in Peru from March 7th to March 14th. 
we had 400 cases of COVID in the United States when I left in, on the 7th. On the 15th of March, the day after I left uh, Lima, they closed the country. Yeah, you're lucky you got out. There were 5,000 Americans stuck there for a month. Were there really? They could not oh. get out. And we had a focused ministry team with us on a mission trip, building homes, serving the poor. It was their first trip with focus with us, and they got out. And the next focused group was supposed to arrive the next day, and they couldn't enter the country. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we were, there was a lot of fear during the trip um, because the, uh, the country of Peru doesn't have the health care. And, and that's, they, they basically, the, when the president shut the borders, he put the entire country in quarantine, President Vizcarra. When he put the entire country in quarantine, that's like a military enforced quarantine. Mm-hmm. It's not stay at home if you can, please. Mm-hmm. This is, you won't leave your homes. You go to the market. One person from your household can go to the market, the bank, the health care, every other day. And it's enforced by the military and the police. And the reason for that is that in a country of 35 million people, they only had 350 ventilators. Oh. So if you get COVID, your health care resources are almost non-existent, especially for the poor, because they can't afford to pay for the ventilator. So it's exacerbated by the fact that their health conditions are so horrible. They have diabetes. They have all the conditions that make COVID deadly. So they have asthma. They have diabetes. They have high blood pressure. They have uh, immune deficiencies because of their diet and their hygiene. They, they can't wash their hands for 20 seconds. They don't have wa- running water or soap. Well, not to mention in the barrios, you know, when you think of, sheltering in place or staying at home how big is home that's a party that's 15 people in 800 square feet yeah mm-hmm. there, there's no social distancing mm-hmm. and the markets are all are all um very few markets serve large communities and so they're they're packed they're shoulder to shoulder so when you have to go get food and there's no taxis running there's no no transportation you cannot drive your private vehicle none of the poor have vehicles so they have these little you know um modified motorcycles with a little cab on the back, these three-wheel taxis, they can't run, so they have to walk to the market. Mm-hmm. So the disabled, the elderly, they can't go get food. First of all, Peru is, is in a lot of Latin America and a lot of the poor, they're a cash society. They work every single day to make enough money to buy food for the next day. They don't have running water or sewer in their homes, so they have to buy their water. It's not a pipe. They don't open the faucet. They pay somebody, and they fill a jug in their house. They live, give us this day our daily bread. They literally live it. And so if they can't work, they don't have any resources to buy food. When I was in these homes, we built three homes. So we tore down their old one. So I was in the homes in these barrios, and which we do on every trip. And we spend a lot of time with the very poor and talking with them one-on-one and understanding their lives and their hopes and their dreams. And it's always that they want their children to have a better life than they do. And they don't have two days of food in their homes. There's no place, I mean, there are no cupboards. It's not like they're hiding anything. It's just a, maybe a plastic shelf that some potatoes and rice and beans and cans are sitting on. 
I've been in those homes. I've, I've removed their kitchens while we tear down their home. They don't have two days of food in their homes. So when they can't work, they are now, they've now entered, uh, they're beyond day 92 in quarantine without mm-hmm. being able to work. Right now. Right now. They're, it's, they're locked down until at least June 30th, but their cases are still rising and the hospitals are inundated. And if you, they go and they sit in the street outside the hospital in the event that a bed opens. Wow. There's, and it's really fascinating and you have to be careful on the internet because we, you know, I'm online every day to check the conditions in Peru to see what's opening, what can we do. Our workers for a cough, our, our NGO, our partner, they can deliver food supplies to the homes. Mm-hmm. We, we've gotten permission for, I think we have 28 people who do not have compromising conditions so that they're not at the highest risk and they're delivering food supplies. So for $18, we can put together a package of the basic food supplies and water and we can deliver them to the home and it'll sustain a family of four for about a week. $18. $18. And I wire money about every 10 days. Why don't we give our listeners an opportunity, <clears throat> excuse me, to take part. Why don't you give them the contact information for Friends of Jimbote right now and we'll also do it again at the end of our visit. Yeah, our website is the, you know, great place to learn more and to, uh, to donate and make a difference. It's friendsofchimbote.org. And we also have our Facebook page where people, we post a couple times a week with updates on what's on, happening on the ground in Chimbote. And I would imagine you've got a, a donate yeah. uh, tab there that makes it real easy to contribute. We do. And it's on both places. It's both in our website as well as in the Facebook page. Facebook page does take about six weeks for Facebook to get the funds to us. Good part is they charge no fees. It's a great service. But we're looking for immediate impact because it's every day. Okay. Todd's... Um, Spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, for you coming home each time, what is that like coming back to the United States? Probably first and foremost, I never leave. Yeah, you can't. Once you've met the people, you've seen their faith, and they say they're blessed. They tell us that they're blessed by our participating with them, by our being there. You know, and it. When you work with people who, who live every day like that, their messages are so powerful and they're so simple. One of the families took me aside. She placed her hands on both sides of my face with tears running down her face. And she said, we are stronger knowing you are there and that you care. Wow. Wow. What, what do you say to that? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's, so you never leave, Doreen? Yeah. yeah. It's that, we, in the last segment, we talked about the importance of relationships with the, those people that, whose home is a nursing home, you know, at this point in their lives. And um, it's, you know, it's universal. It's the relation, it sounds like it's the relationship that you build with people. They're not just, they're not just the poor. They are, you know, 
choose a name, Juan or Juanita or whomever. Olga. 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 We built <laughs> yes. a home for Olga yes. in a wheelchair. Yes. She's had yes. polio. She got in an accident. She can't walk. Yep. And she's in a shanty with uh, sand floors in her wheelchair. Wow. Oh. <laughs> and she yeah. wanted to open a restaurant. Wow. So we built her a wood house with a concrete pad out front, and she'll open a restaurant when, as soon as the uh, COVID quarantine is over. Oh. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So the blessings just flow right back to you, it sounds like, from they do. the work that you do. It's reverse mission. It's yeah. common term, <laughs> yeah. but is it's it? very true. Reverse mission. Can you unpack that just a little bit? Yeah, it's yeah. basically, we're the ones that get changed more than they do, because we go home and they don't. And we bring that change with us, and their change is while we're there for a week. Now we impact their lives, hopefully forever, which is our goal. Mm -hmm. Our goal is not to be humanitarian aid. That's not our goal. Our goal is to provide dignity and to give them the opportunity to realize their gifts. So that's what our normal programs are. It's vocational training. It's micro-lending. It's education. It's scholarships. In addition to, you kind of think about it, you know, basically from Matthew 25 is what we were founding. And our founding, you know, is to take care of the least of our brothers and sisters. But we're also based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. So once you take care of the very basic needs, you can begin to move up through health and then education. And then ideally, they own their own business or have their own career based on skills that we help them develop. But right now, it's humanitarian aid. We've got to keep them alive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. We're, we're listening to Todd Mickelson, who is the executive director of uh, Friends of Chimbote. And we are going to continue our discussion after the break, so stay tuned. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus mystic monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, first communion, and confirmation. I look forward to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through Plan Giving which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. 
SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Our our guest is Todd Mickelson, the Executive Director of Friends of Chimbote. And uh, I'm your host, Jack Kennelly, along with my wife, Doreen. And we're happy to have you back. And we hope you're enjoying our uh, our visit with, with Todd. And while we were offline, we were talking about what uh, kind of a unique situation about um, people you wouldn't normally think about too much. Those who are in Peru, which is the country where you predominantly function, who are from other countries. Why don't you kind of recount what we were visiting about, Todd? Yeah, in Latin America, there's there's you know so much displacement from the uh, conditions in Venezuela, and so there are I, I think the last I saw up to five million Venezuelans who have spread out throughout Latin America, and Colombia, of course, has gotten the bulk of them, but. Um, Peru has a lot of connections to Venezuela because Peruvians went to Venezuela during unrest, you know, decades ago. And so they have a lot of commonality. And so there are hundreds of thousands of Venezuelans in Peru. And, of course, they don't exist in the government system. And there is no welfare there. And right now there are no additional resources and no families, you know, to take care of the Venezuelans. And so the Venezuelans are in enclaves together, you know, living in the sand, living under tarps, and they have no money and they can't work because of the quarantine. And a lot of them are sick and they have no food, no, no means of, of, of receiving it. So, you know, we are able to go out and take the raw material. So we're bringing rice and beans and canned milk for the children and water and oil and just the basic supplies and then they are all coming together and, and cooking with each other. So they're basically dependent upon whatever aid comes to them from, you know, internationally it sounds like. Yes, and actually the city of Chimbote came to us to ACOF, our NGO and, and friends of Chimbote and said, Can you help us? We don't have the resources and we have thousands of families who have nothing to eat and who don't qualify for the government subsidy that was set up for them. So the governor approved set up a subsidy of $223 for the length of the quarantine. First quarantine was March 14th to the 30th. Got extended to the end of April, got extended to the end of May, got extended to the end of June. We are now approaching, we're at the end of the quarantine, it'll be 105 days in quarantine for $223, $14 a week mm-hmm. for all of their needs, including buying their water. However, our beneficiaries have come to us because they can't go online. They don't have computers. They can't go and check whether or not they have the $223 from the government. So we go online from our mission and check if they qualify. And 1,700 of the 2,300 we've checked do not have the money waiting from the government because they don't exist in the system. Because those people don't exist. The people in, don't quote, exist unquote. in the government system. And those are Peruvians, not the Venezuelans. Mm-hmm. Oh. So they have no money from the government. And then you start the process of getting them to exist in the government. Well, that, that won't happen before the end of this quarantine. So really basically what you're saying is outsiders need to come to their aid. They, they, they don't have the resources. Right. 
right? Mm-hmm. These families are, mm-hmm. we, had a, we have a grandmother in uh, one of the invasion barrios. So it's the, you know, the floor is sand. There's no running water. There's no sewer. Uh, they have no markets nearby. And so she's taking care of her five grandchildren because her daughter was in another city to procure work when the quarantine hit. So she could not leave that city to come home. So we have this grandmother with five grandchildren who has no resources. And by the time we got to her and found her, she had, they had been a couple of days without food. You mentioned the term invasion barrio. Why don't you explain to our listeners what that means? Oh, my. It's, again, you'll, you can see some images on our website. And we have a newsletter right now that we're just putting out that shows a picture of an invasion barrio. And it's basically shanties thrown up in the sand dunes on the periphery of the city where 400 or 500 homes will get thrown up in a weekend on land that they don't own. Because they're coming from the mountains, the, and they're, the highlands, and they're coming from the Amazon basin, where there is no work. Their education systems don't exist. Their utilities don't exist. And they're actually, it's interesting, because when you talk about racial unrest, those are the people that are, that are um, discriminated against in Peruvian society, because they're coming to the cities looking for work. And so those are the ones in the invasions. But if 400 families put up a city overnight, the government can't come in with bulldozers and remove them. So then they begin like a 10-year process to own the land. But these invasions, they have, again, no running water, no sewer, no roads. There are shanties thrown up in the sand dunes. Chimbore is desert. They're on the Pacific Ocean, but that entire Pacific Ocean is all desert. So the invasions are communities of people, and they're organized. They have neighborhoods, and they have leaders, and they, they try to get schools going. But when I was there in March, I was in one of the invasions in Nuevo Chimbote, New Chimbote. So I'm on the south edge of the city. It's total sand dunes. And we went and met with the school there. Plywood, classrooms, one naked light bulb, no technology. We asked the administrator, how many families, how many t- students are you teaching? And she said, well, we have about 250 children. And I said, is that covering all the children within your territory, your school area? She goes, no, I get 10 parents a day come and ask me whether or not their children can attend school. But I don't have the classrooms. I don't have the school resources. So half of the children in these barrios cannot attend school because they don't have a place to go. There isn't a school. There isn't a school. <laughs> so that's we do that too. We're going to build classrooms. And so, again, we really do look at empowerment and transformation. That's our goal. We want definitely to teach them to fish, not to hand them fish. But mm-hmm. there are times where you just have to address the humanitarian because you can't go to school, you can't go to work if mm-hmm. you have nothing to eat and mm-hmm. your health is um, at risk. Todd, earlier you mentioned Matthew 25. Could you remind our listeners what Jesus tells us in Matthew 25? Yeah, to, to, to care for the least of our brothers and sisters. I was hungry, I was thirsty, I was sick, I was in prison. And, and 
and we literally run our programs and were founded from a Catholic priest and shortly followed thereafter by a, a presentation sister, you know, who we consider the founders of our mission, Father Jack Davis and Sister Peggy Byrne, and many others over the years, of course. But, um, you know, that was what took them to Peru. So it's not Father Jack's mission, it's Christ's Christ mission. mission. Yeah. And it's, it's based on Matthew 25, and we are multi-denominational, we are ecumenical. We have Presbyterian congregations in North Carolina, we have Lutheran congregations, we have Methodist, we have all numbers of, of faiths, um, all Christian and predominantly Catholic. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, um, Notwithstanding, you know, kind of the poverty that seems to be rampant throughout the entire country, but what what are the communities down there doing to kind of come together to uh, help each other out? Is that going on? Yeah, it's it's beautiful. The they have a they it's a it's a longstanding tradition to help care for each other. So it's called oyakumen, and it's common pot. It means common pot, and so one leader in the community will establish a kitchen and have the pots and we will we are providing i think right now we're supplying 12 oyakumans with supplies and so they cook the food they determine who within their own neighborhood and communities are in greatest need so they actually are taking care of that and what they and they're willing to do the work and so we bring the supplies to them and then they do the cooking and the work. And so we're not running a soup kitchen. We're empowering one. Yeah, and that gets back to the whole dignity thing that you were talking about earlier. Totally. Absolutely. Totally. That's great. What an incredible mission. <laughs> it's, it's humbling. Mm-hmm. It really is. The, you know, we've been down there operating for four decades. We, we really think that we have the... Um, the ideas and the structure and the history and the faith to be able to continue for another four decades, but we do need help getting through this period. Mm-hmm. Can you help us give, you know, do you have some concrete ways that our listeners can get involved? Not, I mean, right now the borders are closed, we can't go there, but what are some other things people can do to help our brothers and sisters in need? Well, they can, they can definitely uh, pray. Our, our communities down there are of extremely strong faith. And so when they know we're praying for them, there's a strength there in addition to the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly donate. Uh, right mm-hmm. now, that's uh, the area that you can impact lives the fastest. And then you want to get involved with the mission. We have all kinds of opportunities coming up with mission visit trips to go down and meet these beautiful people and literally change your life forever. Mm-hmm. Give them your website address again before we get to the break. Friendsofchimpote.org. And uh, you can donate there. You can read more about the mission. You can send us emails. You can also sign up to receive ongoing emails and newsletters about our work in the mission. So you can sign up right there. Uh, We have congregations all over uh, eastern North Dakota and we're expanding into Western North Dakota and in Minnesota who are involved with us. They, they do collections within their parishes. They go on mission trips. They fund homes. They fund soup kitchens. It's, it's beautiful. Okay, great. Well, Todd, thanks for your work and for being with us today. This was just incredible. 